welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On podcast. I got my homeboy, Ben O'Brien. Um, I don't know how I got you on your Christmas party day, but I mean, you're. <laughs> I literally called you a minute ago and there's a mariachi band jamming in Yeti while everyone's getting their party on. Yeah, I can't divulge a lot of information about what's happening here. It's all confidential. Uh, but yeah, we're having a good time. We had a little surprise uh, uh, mariachi band roll into town. Um, so, so we're currently dealing with the aftermath of that. Yeah, well, I've uh, I've been there before. I love a good mariachi band. Yeah, it's all it's, you know. Who hasn't had a surprise mariachi band roll into their work at about four thirty? So I mean, it's just another Thursday. Well, I've got a, I've actually got a, a twenty ounce knock on Yeti cup with probably nineteen point five ounces of um, margarita and point five ounces of Alpha Brain in it. I call it, <laughs> I call it no loco. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduated from just the straight rye whiskey, which I like. It's more festive than margarita. Yeah, this is um, it's a seasonal drink, no question about it. It's more of a Felice Navidad um, type type drink, but the rye brain is obviously still on, you know, one of the top shelf favorites. We'll just have to. Now, do, do do podcast listeners know all about rye brain? Have they heard the stories? Well, the, were we on Rye Brain when we did our last podcast? I don't know. I think we were, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. But we were for sure on Rye Brain last time. <laughs> so the dedicated listeners know for sure that, well, one, I'm talking with my good buddy Ben O'Brien. He's a hunter, former editor, uh, editor of Peterson's Hunting, and now you're at Yeti, and all's you're doing some awesome hunts and all that stuff but we also like to shoot we like to practice um like to jack around a lot and then obviously we like to invent drinks which is where the alpha brain came in last time you were here we were talking about on it because you live by on it so you're lucky you get to go to the on it academy any day of the week and you know we kind of whipped up a little templeton rye and alpha brain so you're you're kind of a smart alcoholic, I think. Smart, smart drunk. Yeah. If you, the Irish, I'm telling you, as an O'Brien, if the Irish had that early on, we would be ruling the world already. I mean, we would, that would without a doubt. Yeah, there's because it does make you make you a lot smarter. There's no, it's it's science. It literally makes you fight like Conor McGregor, but as smart as Ben. Mm, mm. Yeah, I like that comparison. We'll go yeah. with that. So you just got back from Kodiak Island. What the heck? Yeah, sure did. Yeah, if anybody out there hasn't heard from me, this is the first time you're hearing my voice for a couple weeks. That's probably because I was stuck on Kodiak Island for a few days longer than we imagined we'd be there. But 
we had a heck of a heck of a trip up there. That place is unreal. It's awesome. Like one of the cool parts about those hunts that people don't really get. Like when I went and shot my coastal bear, part of the the experience is like having your bow hunting gear and you're literally sitting you're trying to get to this super remote place and you're taking whatever travel is accessible and you know i was like sitting in a mail plane like amongst every all these like you know native villages mail and i'm like flying into this little bitty fishing town so that i can then hire a private super cub to fly me out you know onto the peninsula so or onto the part of the peninsula I was hunting that, you know, I was already on the peninsula at that point, but it, that's part of the adventure is, is that, you know, getting socked in with fog and not being able to do it. Or some of the people that hunt in British Columbia have told me the same thing where they end up having to sit on an Island for several days because the ferry can't come over. I think that's what makes it cool. Yeah, no, I think that just adds the extra element. I mean, cause we've all been, in situations where um, I'd say, for lack of a better term, you're you're in a trophy hunt mode. So you're you're out there um, and you're glassing, and you're finding animals, and you're looking for that single animal that breaks a score threshold or gets you excited, and and that's your ultimate challenge. I mean, the terrain can be tough, but maybe you're going back to a lodge, or maybe you're you know more comfortable surroundings, or maybe you're hunting out of a tree stand for whitetail. Um, so you just don't have that. You don't have that uncertainty. Um, you don't have that element of being able to test yourself to, you know, if I don't achieve this task, I might not get out of here. Um, you know, if I don't break this threshold, if I don't hike this amount in this time, I may not get out for a couple more days, you know, so that's, that's pretty unique up there. I mean, in most places you could just use your two feet and get out. Um, when you're in Kodiak or coastal Alaska, most all of it, you're, you're, you're at the mercy of the island and the weather and, and if a plane can get to you. So that that is for sure changed a little bit of how I think about other hunting trips. Um, and when I go back, if I go back to Kodiak, how I think about that. Oh, yeah. I, I like it up there. It was really cool. Today, this morning, funny enough, um, I was outside and Sharon had me burning boxes because Amazon – and UPS and FedEx are pretty much knocking on this door about every eight minutes right now. And um, I'm burning boxes in the backyard this morning at like 5 a.m. And it was minus three. And I was sitting there in my, I was like in my jogging pants. And I was thinking, you know, this isn't as near as cold as someone that's up there shooting a musk ox. And as much as you kind of see a musk ox and they're just kind of this big ball of hair, just kind of walking around like a Star Wars figure, the fact that you've got to get up there and not get frostbite on one of your extremities and then be able to somehow draw a bow and anchor and then shoot that thing, that's, I mean, that in itself is the only, like I wish it's almost worth a, worth a trip just to say okay we're going to take you to the north pole you have to ride around on a snowmobile for 3 days and then you just have to make one archery shot <laughs> it doesn't matter what it's at you just have to actually pull your bow back and make a decent shot i mean i bet that in itself would be tough you know 
Yeah, I mean, that, it just, it, it heightens the level at which you want to perform. And to me, like, those types of hunts, the types of hunts that are truly adventure hunts, I mean, in every sense of the word, it's, it's basically you're at the whim of the land that you're hunting in. If it's, you know, decides to blow 70 miles an hour, uh, be negative 20, you've got to fight through that or you might as well not go. You know, if you're not prepared for, you know, we had a couple 60 mile an hour wind days, we had frozen rivers, we had, um, you know, planes that couldn't land in blizzards, we had all kinds of stuff. I mean, we just, we ended up having to not, you know, kick ice off the beach to make a runway for a float plane to land, you know, um, on the beach, you know, obviously they switched to a wheel plane. Um, but we had all that stuff. And if you're not prepared to overcome all that, um, you might as well not go. So it's, it's, it's a whole different feeling because, you know, not only do you have to find an animal that you want to shoot, um, but you've got to be prepared before and after to do all that, all those other things. So it, it's a whole different deal. And your, your gear is tested mentally, you're tested, um, and I like it that way, man. I, I thrive on that stuff, I think. And and if I fail in some way, man, I really, it, it, it helps me understand how I can get better just on a day-to-day basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you're doing those, that's, see, that's the problem. That's the thing with sheep hunters. That's the problem with sheep hunters is when they do that, then they get, like, so niche that they're in their own little group and, like, you yeah. can't relate to them unless you've also hunted sheep. You know, it's like, um, you know, you, <laughs> I've got buddies that are diehard no, that are diehard whitetail hunters, but then they'll get around, and I mean, and they they really go after whitetails hard. They spend a lot of time in miserable conditions. But a sheep hunter, like if you tell a sheep hunter that you hunted thirteen hours a day out of a tree stand for the whole month of November they still don't think that's nothing compared to five days sheep hunting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is different levels of it. I've done, been lucky enough. I mean, I did an Alberta whitetail hunt this <clears throat> in November here a couple, I guess, three, four weeks ago now, and then went straight to a Utah elk hunt and then, you know, took a Thanksgiving break and went to Kodiak. And you just got it, like, when you get to experience all those things one after one, each person who's an expert in the field or the guide or whoever you're with that's that's there and that's done it and su- succeeded all think in and of themselves the thing that they're doing is by far the hardest and the animal that they're hunting is by far the most, you know, wary that they could ever chase. Uh, and it's probably because they've, they've experienced it to the hardcore degree and they've pushed themselves and uh, all have had crazy success doing it so um but you're right i mean the sheep hunter experiences things that the white tail hunter will never could ever even fathom and then vice versa i would say sitting dark to dark for 10 straight days in a tree stand test about every fiber of you know mental fortitude that you have yeah in fact i know it does yeah about that about that day is when you start talking to yourself <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, you get up in the tree stand and you just uh, don't know what to say. But yeah, any, anybody I've been through, you know, sit 10 days, all day sits, and on the 10th day, miss a buck. I did that in Illinois a few years back. And um, <laughs> I'm still not over that. Dude, I am not over that. I'll yeah. never get over it. You didn't jump after? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I cried. I, oh, God, it was terrible. It was terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I've been through that, and I can only imagine if you were 10, 15 days in the McKenzie Mountains uh, after a sheep and 
miss with your bow or even with a right whatever you know then so you don't know what what that must feel like hiking back into hiking back in to get picked up i mean that's those all both those experiences are you know pretty substantial and i'm sure people that have been through that both think they're harder than than uh, other folks can ever imagine them to be oh yeah what um what one piece of gear do you wish you had on your trip to kodiak well let's i'll break this down because i know you know in the knock on world i'll be um this might not be popular but i wish i had my bow because i brought a rifle um i forgot and this could be a public this could be a public service announcement uh about two weeks (laughs) two weeks before the hunt my guide called and said hey man um do you have a bow hunting certification from any state? Because uh, that's required in Alaska. And I was already in Utah on an elk hunt, and then I was going to come home for three days and then fly to Alaska. And I was like, no, man, and I don't, there's no way for me to get it between now and when we leave. I have my bow already, and you know, you helped me, worked on it. We got it dialed in. And uh, I was so excited to go there and, and shoot two bucks. And he was like, well, if you don't have that certification... You may be able to get around it. And I was like, look, I don't want to. I'm not testing those waters. It's not worth that. So um, at the last minute, we ran outside in a rifle and went. But um, so the one piece of gear I wish I had was my bow. But, so <laughs> That's a good anybody answer. Who's a, anybody who's a first-time Alaska hunter, look into it. Make sure, you know, don't trust um, a guide, especially ones that are busy during season and they're, you know, our guide especially was in the back country for months and months on end, and he had you get a couple satellite phone texts here and there. So, you you know, can't really blame him for that. Um, but you know, I'm not I'm not too upset. We killed some great deer, had a good adventure, and it turned out to be more about the country and the adventure and the place than it did the the animal or the hunt. So, what um, um, did you did you rattle them in? Were they were they calling in? No, they were post rut. Um, they were still dogging those a little bit, but I mean, we were. There was some snow up in the in the high country there, so we we were in deer every minute of the hunt. I mean, we got off. Uh, one of the good stories is we landed our plane in this lagoon. We had we would fly into where we were going to camp, which is about two or three miles up river from this lagoon landing area, essentially a little bay. And we dropped our gear out of these planes uh, with little directional parachutes. They drop down into camp, uh, and then you fly back to the lagoon, land in the float plane, jump out and hike into camp, uh, essentially a drop camp. And we land with, after we did all this, we land with the pilot. The pilot pulls out a pistol. He goes, hold on, guys, jumps out of the plane and goes chasing this little forker that was standing on the, on the beach up the hill. I'm going to kill him. Somebody get your rifle and back me up. I was like, what? <laughs> so this guy... Our pilot, maybe five minutes into this deal, was already chasing around deer with a pistol, and I thought, "This is going to be this is going to be damn interesting." Um, <laughs> so we we had we had we had an interesting, but it, from the time we landed until the time that we left, we had our pick of any you know fifty to a hundred deer, anywhere you looked. So it was, it was unbelievable. I've never seen, only a few places I've seen that had that amount of any animal at any one time. It was crazy. What was the other place? Texas? Uh, Texas always. Texas whitetails, but then uh, New Zealand earlier this year. Uh, fallow deer, we, were, we hunted a sheep station down there that was full of fallow deer, just like this place was full of blacktails. 
Oh, you did? Uh, who are you with? Yeah, you, was, did you go with Remy? Who'd you go with? Yeah, that was Remy Remy Warren and Shane Dorian. And I went down for Yeti. Did some hunting down there. They did some good bow kills um, down there on fallow bucks. But yeah, that was a similar place. I mean, we were on a 100,000 plus acre sheep station uh, on the South Island of New Zealand. And um, it was the same. I mean, we were there directly in the rut. And the fallow bucks were just everywhere every every hundred yards there was another big buck to look at that's what this place is like same thing that's awesome that sounds so fun so, and well, it, i mean it made me it made me want my bow even more while we were there i was saying that while i was set up on the pack with my rifle i was telling the guy like man i wish i had my bow man i wish i had my bow um because the, you know these deer were they weren't so cagey you could pretty much walk up to within 200 yards and they just look at you um <laughs> <laughs> so, so it would have been fun with a bow. What, um, which bow would you have taken? Because I've built a Matthews and a Hoyt for you. So, I would have taken, I would have taken the Hoyt for sure. I would have taken that Carbon Defiance that you built. Because I, I'll tell you that that Matthews. I don't know if this is me just being overthinking it, but uh, I put a three pin sight on the Matthews. And then I just put that single pin hogfather uh, on the on that pro defiant, or I mean on the carbon defiant, and um, just with the idea that whitetails and turkeys, I was going to use the Matthews just for the three pins and just twenty, thirty, forty, and keeping it keeping it tight. And then anything that was spot and stock, I was going to use the the carbon defiant yep. and be able to dial all the way out to eighty, nine hundred yards, um, just to give myself, you know two separate areas to concentrate on, uh, understanding what those bows would do at those distances and just giving myself knowing that, hey, if I'm going mule deer hunting, I'm taking the Defiant. If I'm going to go you know, shoot turkeys you know, from a decoy, then I'm going to take the Matthews. Um, so that's kind of my my idea, not that that's anything special with this, what, what I was thinking. Well, now, are you shooting your... Um are you shooting your Pro Defiant, or are you? Or I mean, no, you've got a. No. Do you have a? Do you have both? I've got a Carbon Defiant. I thought you had both. We had. No, well, I had the original, just a Defiant. Oh, that's right. That's right. Last, last one you set up for me was the Carbon Defiant, so I had just gotten that. Just gotten that thing plugged in and rocking and rolling. It's. It's. Uh, I'll tell you, man. From when we first the last when we last podcasted. Um, Hundred yards, might as well with a bow, might as well have been a thousand yards. Like to me, mentally, even you know, and I could hit the target once out of every five times, probably. I mean, you saw when I was there. Um, and I step in my backyard now, and I've got a 3D elk at a hundred yards, and I'm in the eight ring every time. So yeah. just that trans- transformation you, is is been crazy. Are you shooting? What release are you shooting right now? Are you shooting? Well, right now, I'm shooting that silverback. Oh, you, yep. okay. You got so you've got that set up for the new bow. I didn't know if you'd because when I sent you that, yep. I know that um, you were shooting the evolution. I didn't know if you had had time to set it up yet um, from the original yep. release that I got you. But so let's backtrack yep. then and tell everybody where you were at before you made that decision to move that direction because you know a lot of a lot of hunters out there, you know, they're looking, 
they're looking at the people in the magazines and looking at the people on TV for, well, they're expecting that they really are doing everything right. And now, mm-hmm. you know, once we've kind of started to educate that, I know Joe, con- like every time Joe sees someone on a show make like a turd shot, he'll text me and be like, <laughs> dude, I was just watching so-and-so. Their form's so jacked up. That could have been me. I'm like, <laughs> it's awesome that he ad- <laughs> that he identifies though, because that's I'd say it that's, probably would have been you, and it, I mean, it would have been me too. Yeah, I mean, it has been. If me. you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, it yeah. has been me exactly, exactly. So so back up to maybe where you had started and where you were, and then kind of, you know, what really convinced you to to make the change and stick with it be a good story for sure. because a lot of uh, people are in that position right now i, I get that email every uh, day i bet they are and i i think the only and i was lucky man i was able to call you up and we were able to talk and have that outlet and we talked about that in the beginning i think where i was was stuck um i just didn't see any other options there wasn't um olympic archery coaches walking around in austin that i could go call and have um, work with me. Um, so I, you know, my history is just, I started bow hunting when I was pretty young. I mean, I was probably 13 or 14. I had old PSE and, um, you know, I probably killed my first deer in a bow and I was 17 or 18 maybe. Um, and so, and to that end, I'd killed some other deer, but I mean, I was a guy that just like threw a whisker biscuit on and, um, you know, some, some of those old rage with the, um, with the O-rings and probably aluminum arrows and just went out and, and shot deer 20 yards when I could. Um, and I was, there was never any real refinement there, and that's just who I, that's what I was happy with. Um, and then uh, my career started in journalism, and I worked for the National Rifle Association for about three years right out of college, So there, and I was working for American Hunter online, American Hunter magazine, and so there wasn't a whole lot of push for me to use a bow when I was there. Um, and then from there I went, as we talked about earlier, directly to Peterson's Hunting Magazine. You know, so I'm a professional in the industry, um, and neither one of my first two jobs really had bow hunting uh, high up on the list. But Peterson's Hunting Magazine, we had um, the great Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine that's run by Christian Berg, so there wasn't a whole lot of need for me to do any bow hunting or push that. So I went through a, a lot of years where I bow hunted when I could, but there wasn't any impetus in it. and I had too many other things to focus on and learn and do in my career, so bow hunting just kind of fell fell by the wayside. But then, when I came to Yeti, I, I you know just was able to stop and reset and recharge and decide how I wanted to hunt and what was important to me. And um, the first thing I wanted to do was was to get back into archery the right way. Um, and I looked and read and, and did my best and. You know, actually, before we had met, I'd killed, you know, a bunch of things on a bow that year, a couple turkeys, two bears. <clears throat> I had a lot of a lot of success at 20 yards and in, doing the same thing I did when I was a kid. And then when I uh, originally heard Joe talking about you and what you did and did a little research, I thought, this is my chance to to change that, to get into, to find a process um, and go from just swinging a driver to golf ball at a, at a driving range to being able to technically know where my, you know, what I'm doing to hit that ball at the pin. 
I think that's how I would compare where I'm at now as opposed to where I was. So um, that's when we were able to hook up, and and I was lucky enough to get the invite to come up there and, and start learning your process. And when we did that, you asked me if I was willing to just break everything down and start anew, and I absolutely was. Um, I was never going to be one of those guys that was stuck to a certain thing or would argue my way of doing things was the right way. Um, I just wanted to get better, and I wanted to help teach other people in my community here and at my work and everywhere that I am um, a better way, too, because I know they're all, as you said, there's a lot of people that, that need it and want it and just don't know that it's out there. So how that's kind of where I was. And then, How long did it take you to to feel comfortable with the new way because you know Ben literally learned the you know I taught you with the evolution but you learned that you know we worked on it really in one evening and then kind of gave you some homework to take to take back to Texas but how long did it go before you really just felt like okay I'm sold and I'm totally okay with this I'm not worried about anything yeah um, well, I mean, you saw, we talked, and I told you kind of, hey, here's what I'm nervous about, or here's what I think is going to take me the most time to pick up, and the biggest thing was the release, you know, because when you're strapping a, a wrist release on and, and pulling triggers, it feels like the Grand Canyon from that to a Carter evolution, or even, you know, you flip over to the Silverback even then, so I think that was probably the biggest thing, but... It only took me, and of course I had the advent of you being there to tell me, hey, don't do this, do this, try this, not this, um, in person. But I mean, I think while we were there, probably 10 shots, and I felt like, oh, okay, I can do this. It's just going to take, you know, repetition and practice and dedication from, from me to be able to do it. Like, there's nothing here I can't do. There's nothing here that I'm not right in front of that I won't be able to achieve. I just got to get comfortable and do it a bunch and be willing to do it and not not get in a situation where I'm giving myself an excuse not to go shoot three or four times a week, you know? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I will be honest, you know, we were the, the face-to-face training was great, but then when I got home, I got, I was like, oh, crap. Nobody's here to tell me exactly <laughs> what I'm doing right or wrong. Holy crap. John, John, hey, man, uh, I need help, so... I had to take probably a week once I got home. I called you a couple times. We talked through some things um, to feel comfortable and then just be able to then start actually training, which is what I'm doing still now and will be doing for a long, long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's common. A lot of people, there's there's positives and negatives to your particular situation. The, po- the real positive thing is that you – you know, in a way, the fact that you had to learn on your own, that's actually good because so many so many kids now just are so dependent on their coaches that they just continually keep looking over their shoulder um, to see what the coach is going to say rather than knowing what they need to do. And, you know, it's kind of a... It's kind of a slippery slope with coaching is making, you know, if you end up just making that kid 100% dependent on everything that you're telling them, they're never, you know, they're never going to be able to excel when they're on their own. 
So it's it's yeah. really tough. And you know, for you, obviously, it was nice that you're able to call and confirm. But you know, in reality, you weren't doing. It's not like you were doing anything where I'm like, hey, this is all jacked up. It it was more the opposite. It was more me just saying, dude, everything looks good. Just keep going with it. I mean, yeah, it's nice that you yeah. that that you're able to have that that you know reconfirmation but most people out there you need to just trust that this stuff takes time and there's a fine line between you feeling like you're really doing something wrong or you just being maybe um i don't know you're almost trying to overthink it and instead of just doing it long enough to where you start to be comfortable with it you're almost trying to force it into being comfortable or force it into being perfect. And that's just not going to happen overnight. Not, not if you're learning to shoot properly. Yeah. So well, there, I think you, you know, as soon as we, I got back from, from Iowa, you know, how many months ago that was, my next goal is okay. I've got to have a 3d archery range in my backyard. <laughs> I've got to have, something you know i have about a hundred yards ish to to the back fence of my yard there and um that was my next goal so okay i gotta get something that's exciting to go out not just a target sitting in my yard something you know that's exciting to go out and shoot that i can make fun for myself you know that i can make uh a unique thing for me to do have friends over to do so it becomes something that is part of my daily routine or part of my um, part of my life and we started a little Wednesday shooting club here at Yeti and people come over to my house and then shoot and I'm able to kind of give them some pointers and show them what I'm working on um, so that stuff all that stuff it went from me just searching for that process and trying to get better to actually in my mind training for something which there's no one thing I'm trying to go achieve no medal to win or anything but but I certainly Hopefully next time I get in front of you and shoot, and you're like, "Damn, dude, you've come a long way." You know that that is that's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, I I, I love when um, I love when students do that. It's a good feeling as a coach. I mean, ultimately that's what you strive for. I remember um, one of my co- one of my students from England um, one time was shooting against me in a tournament. We ended up getting drawn to shoot against one another and. He ended up beating me by one or two points, and he he looked at me right after his last arrow. He's like, what'd you shoot? And I said, I shot a nine. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm like, hey, this is, you're the one person in here I'd want to beat me. You know, you're the one person in here that I would yeah. definitely feel happy about you having success because – you've taken tools that I've given you and you've you found a way to make them work for you. And that's that's a little connection that a lot of people don't have. They don't realize that even if you have a very good process, there's small little ways that you need to tweak it in order for it to work for you. And, um, you know, Harry's in, in the middle of learning uh, some crazy AP chemistry and AP physics or something i don't know but he's he's like a little bit struggling with it and i told him i said you just have to figure out you know you have to find the right either student or you have to find the right teacher 
that's just showing you a slightly different way of learning this to where you just have confidence that what you're doing is right and then you just put in the time and it all comes together yeah. that's what that's what I thought like it, it, it became the fun part for me was when it became just putting in the time like knowing having a foundational element of bow of archery and and understanding the logistics of how I was shooting and what was happening and then just being able to work on that like tiny little you take tiny little I'm sure you do this all the time like you just take a tiny little piece of what's going to make successful and go out in the backyard and shoot 30 times and try to get that part right every single time because um, I'll go out now and just work on my anchor point with the silverback um, and just try to get to the same anchor point and test myself like did you get there did you quite get there did you hold right you know and just try to work on that one little part um, and just make that fun and you know, my, my family, my relatives who came over to my house for Thanksgiving were like, I think a little bit annoyed that I just kept going out to shoot my bow for like two hours and left it inside. <laughs> uh, because, I, I mean, I just get addicted to it. I go out there and you shoot five times and the next thing you know, you know, you shoot until you get it right and that can be, sometimes take a while. So, I mean, that that for me has been awesome. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I think it's pro- probably helped my mental state as much as anything having that thing to do and achieve every day yeah there's literally nothing wrong with what you're doing that's perfectly normal behavior for a human you should all <laughs> you should always you should always ditch your in-laws to go out and shoot your bow yeah no i think hopefully i get some street cred around here for that um <laughs> but yeah that, <laughs> we we uh, that to me i've never you know, I've never, I was, I played sports in high school, but I've never been as good at something. You know, I never felt like I was that good at one thing that I could just train and train and train and eventually be great at it. Um, you know, so it's nice to have something that, who knows if I'll, I'll ever get there, but have something to work on yeah, that, that feels like that. You know, that's what's so cool about archery, though, is some of the best archers in the world, historically, according to target archery, are guys that are, you know, in their late 30s, 40s, definitely not like people that are what you would call uh, fitness models. <laughs> I mean, those those. It's not common for a for a, phys, a physique contest winner to be really good at um, at archery. You know, it's. I was always kind of. It's nice that this has changed, but when I shot competitive archery and I would be at a tournament and go for a run, people looked at me like I was absolutely the dumbest person out there. I mean, <laughs> they're like, who is this guy? He's going for a run? I mean, it was so different. But, you know, luckily that's changed. But with archery, you can easily become, at at your peak, at a later age without any question i mean you know it's 40 is nothing in the archery world i mean you look at when uh you know when almer was shooting so awesome you know he was he was in an older age a lot of people think you know it's not like there wasn't 3d when he was 20 years old i mean this is this is something that you know that took definitely took time to happen and um it's arguable that Randy's probably even better now than 
what he was back then. I mean, he was obviously an awesome shot back then, but he's, I would say he's probably at, he's so refined as an overall bow hunter. And, you know, now he's in his late fifties, but he's staying in shape and he's still practicing and he's working towards perfection. And that's, what's awesome about archery is people can, can get that. No question. No matter really what their age is. Did you see that post I made of the lady? Um, that I met in Colorado Springs. She picked up bow hunting. No, she picked up bow hunting. Hold on, I gotta find this. Yeah, I gotta find this so I make sure I get it right. But she she picked up bow hunting. Um, let's see. There she is. She picked up bow hunting. Um, I think when she well, I don't know if that's in this text. I'd hate to like say she's older than she is, but she's over 70 for sure. And literally wanted something to do. Her, her husband kind of bow hunted a little bit. So she's just like, I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah, 75. Her name is Anna Holland. She's 75 years old, dude. Went into archery shop, learned archery. She freaking was like in the process of learning booked i went and did a um a a one day free seminar for my buddy bill pellegrino that owns this this shop and um she booked in to come to the seminar and she was like so attentive you know she was just really focused and she's like yeah i got this bow and i mean it was like a Hoyt target bow decked out. She's like, I'm going to, I really want to go to Vegas this year. And I was like, Holy, I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah. And then she goes, I'm going to, she goes, I started hunting on my own last year. She's like, I just loved it. She's like, I just, I got to the point where I wouldn't even go out with my husband. She's like, I just loved being out by myself. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you hunting? And she goes, um, you know, mule deer, elk, and all that stuff. And I've, I'm like, if you shoot something, call me. Like, I want to, I mean, how cool of a story is that for a lady, 75 years old, she literally, and I got a picture of her, shot a high country mule deer in velvet, 75 years old, dude. Backpack on, <laughs> whole thing, like the whole show. It's awesome. Oh, that's like that to me, man. I hope when I'm 75, I have a tenth of that gumption. But that's—I mean, I know people that are 25 that couldn't do that, that wouldn't think to do that, take it up, you know, out of nowhere and go and and shoot a hot country mule deer. That's that's awesome. Well, the, you know what sucks is you're like when someone like that tells you it, you're in this real awkward place because, like, I want to say. I hope I'm still walking at that age, you know, but he can't be, he he can't be rude about it, but in a way I'm I'm being serious though. I mean, yeah, it is. It is definitely rude. It's a hundred percent rude, but I hurt getting out of bed now. I mean, I'm, I'm four, I'm 40. I'm almost half her age. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I know how I feel on day seven of an elk hunt right now. Okay, if I double that, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to really enjoy it. 
So the fact that she's like, oh, this looks cool. I'm going to go out and stomp around in the mountains. I mean, it's it's pretty uh, it's yeah. pretty awesome. I think the coolest thing about that for me, and I'm sure for her, is that, you know, with, what's fun for me to watch your followers and, and stuff that you post and just kind of like in following along with that is that, you know, archery as a discipline leads to so much, so many other things. You know, fitness being paramount, like, and so many different parts of your life connect into archery. So when you become passionate about archery and bow hunting um, as a discipline and really be- have that become a goal in your life to be the best at that or better at that every day, so many other things start to come into it. The way you eat, um, the clothes that you wear, the brands that you that you um, attach to, uh, your workouts, the way that you, um, you know, your di- the the daily routines in your life. I mean, it has the ability to change so many things, and that's what that's so cool. If you're devoted to it, it'll it'll help you along, not just in archery or bow hunting, and in so many other ways in your life. Um, so that's what if you if you allow that to happen, it'll happen. Well, you know, it's it's a family. Bow hunting is like it's a community and a family. That's what it is. You know, we. Um, when I, just through meeting Joe, I was really curious about like the Onnit products just because I know Joe always talked about it. So I was really curious about Onnit, and I was actually in the process um, right about that same time. I tried a lot of different like products. You know, I was I tried. Well, I tried probably four or five different products that were very popular in, um, you know, in a lot of the the fitness community. And honestly, I was just, I wasn't really happy with what I was taking. And then when I met Joe, you know, I was at his house and he's just like, hey, you know, what do you want for breakfast or whatever? And I said, I would love to have just exactly what you make. I said, just literally whatever your daily routine is, just if you could double it and, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you if I didn't like, you know, it doesn't even matter if I don't like something, but I just like, I just said, do everything in twice the amount as what you normally would because, just being a hunter and being in that community, you're constantly trying to better yourself. So, you know, I'm, I was curious by someone that I know takes it serious as well. I wanted to know what his product was. So then, or, you know, kind of what his routine was. So I took his stuff and really, really liked it. And then it's almost, it's almost very similar to when I left Matthews and went to Hoyt, um, you know, I can't say anything negative about when I was at Matthews. I just know that I just felt like I was in the right place when I went, when I got to Hoyt. Just the people, the attitude, like the atmosphere, how it was. I mean, I felt like, kind of just to like relate this whole thing, I felt like I wanted to be more like the guys that were internal at Hoyt. Most of the engineers are like fitness guys. They're really into mountain hunts. They love backcountry hunts. They also shoot Vegas. They shoot Redding. They shoot a ton of tournaments. So 
after I left Joe's, you know, I really wanted to connect with Aubrey, who, um, you know, owns on it. And you know, Aubrey, you guys have hunted together. Just a really, really unique dude, super fun guy. And, you know, all of a sudden you just get in within this community. And I can tell you between even where I was as an archer, and I feel like I was already on the extreme end. I've like tweaked my diet. I went down there. I spent, you know, I flew down there just to go to the Onnit Academy because, you know, Aubrey's like, you got to come see this. So I went down there and, you know, met Christian and Isik and Sam and just, I've totally evolved. I've become like a different person because of archery and I was already there. I mean, I was already at that state and now I'm like pushing it even more. Yeah, doesn't that just go to show that even somebody that is is doing as long as you have and has coached the people that you have and experienced things in archery, like there is always something to to change and do better and strive to be. Um, and sometimes it just takes like in my in my experience and, and what I went through was just being exposed to what you do that it, to took it to take me you know hopefully to the next level and push and push and push to get. Um, you know, to where you are and where your students are. Um, and for you, somebody who's been that advanced, it just takes a, someone a little more extreme than you or somebody a little more extreme in a, in, a, in a different area to push you to that. I think that's when you decide you really want to be good at something, you're continually looking for people that might be doing it better than you or whatever their field is might be able to add to what you want to do. So, I mean, it's a perfect story of that. And I, uh, I never try to, you know, I used to never think of it that way, but now... Um, it's pretty inspiring to watch people go through that and, and commit themselves to archery and come out on the other end, um, for sure. And you'll the thing is, people that really make those steps, it's life changing for them. Um, one of my buddies, um, Michael Fraley, he's got a gosh. I'm really bad at remembering stuff. People, my brain's freaking out. I think I'm trying to answer hey. too many questions. But, uh, alpha brain, kick it into high gear. Trust an alpha brain. I only had one. I should have had a couple. Is what I should have had. But I'm just gonna give him a, I'm gonna give him a shout out here, Michael. I'm trying to find the name of his, uh, name of his little thing that he's doing. It's called Blood something. Sounds, it sounds a little over the top the way i'm saying it because i'm yeah, saying blood it. something yeah it's, it's something bloody no he's got um <laughs> crap i don't know what it is but anyway dude I look up look up we have so many jokes <laughs> no kidding <laughs> you can get crazy on your jokes can i trust it no no i'm not gonna say any of them i'm gonna refrain <laughs> okay well we're not being recorded well anyway michael um, he's lost, I think, I think it's, it's for sure 30, it's possibly 60 pounds since listening to the podcast. Um, he kind of took up, he calls it the D30. He'll send me a text every now and then, cause I check up on him. Um, he sends me a text and he'll say like, down, down, however much from the d30 program and i'm like i could forgot about it i'm like what the hell is d30 
He's like my Dudley 30 program. So he's just like, uh, he changes his, pretty much changes his diet a little bit, kind of cuts his carbs in half. And then he just hits the treadmill for 30 minutes hard or hits the weights for 30 minutes hard and just, you know, really focuses on that. And he's doing good. Yeah. He calls it the D30. He said a year ago. D30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I know everybody probably wakes up every day and, you know, what is that carrot I'm chasing or what, you know, outside of your job and your family life, you got to have something, you know, everybody should have something that they're chasing, some way to get better, you know, some way to be motivated in the morning and um, something not to, you know, really not to settle for, you know, so I, I've, I, I certainly, in comparison to Michael and those other guys, probably haven't sacrificed as much as they have. But, um, you know, you just get in the mindset, okay, I'm not going to settle for the eight ring or I'm not going to settle for potentially, you know, not being able to shoot that 3D javelina target at 60 yards every single time. I'm not going to settle for that. And that turns a 20-minute session outside to three hours. But, you know, that's just got to be – You got that mindset is is great. I mean, Rogan talks about – about that all the time. I mean, you gotta have a, a battle to fight every day. You've gotta have some, some uh, the ability to test yourself and and a you know something that isn't existential, uh, that's right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I, I really liked, I loved going there, getting on a different program, and a big part of evolving too as a hunter or as an athlete is keeping things fresh. Sometimes making those changes and having new challenges and new goals, that could make all the difference on what your motivation's like. You know, I don't, um, you know, as much as I love to lift weights, I'm, I'm like geeked out about kettlebells and steel maces and stuff simply because it's given me something new to learn. I mean, there's technique involved. You know, it's arguable. It's a different kind of strength. You know, you might not, have a typical bodybuilder look walking around but your overall functionality and 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 usable strength is on a whole different level and you really have to focus on learning something new so when you're thinking that a lot of times um you're more you're more likely to go to a class you know you're more likely to to go to that class to try it you know you're more likely to if you are seeing some results you're more likely to stick a little stricter on your diet and you know all that stuff plays a big part of getting better and i know you and i we we like to focus on our diet i mean that's a big part of i mean we have to make sure we're getting steady supply of barbecue yeah i mean there you gotta have prime rib wednesdays and (laughs) <laughs> risk it Fridays. I mean that that kind of stuff is important. You strive to eat more prime rib every Wednesday. Yeah, you put po- <laughs> You posted a picture of some that was that barbecue at work. Yeah, we uh we had a little team team prime rib uh lunch for the holidays and we went to this place <laughs> called Style Switch here in Austin. Austin's like the haven, Austin, Texas is the haven for for barbecue. So so we um we got to step our game up. We can't just do regular side of the road barbecue. We've got to do best of the best. So yeah, we went 
uh, to Stop Switch, and they're a barbecue fixture in Austin. They had like a special prime rib day, and we thought, mm-hmm, yep, that sounds great. So we went there. <laughs> I'm so excited. So if we'd have been talking at, yeah, if we'd have been talking at this time yesterday, I probably wouldn't have been doing very good. My synapses weren't firing. <laughs> like I couldn't talk. I could barely walk. I was, I was out of it. Uh, what? All thanks to prime rib. We got to give a shout out to your archery shop down there. You told me you went into a shop and they had recognized you from the podcast. So yeah, yeah, we gotta talk about those guys. Um, you know that that was the thing. I remember I called you or texted you and we were talking. And I said it's so cool. Um, archery country is um, pretty much the place to go in Austin for for archery and for for gear. And I had been going there, and they they recently got new owners. Um, and I went there before I Alberta hunt just to I needed some new knocks and a couple of different things and um, I was talking and, and a couple guys from town you know knew some folks at Yeti and we started chatting and he was like man I know your voice I can't I can't place that voice and um, <laughs> uh, you know I, <laughs> wow I, I don't know I, I used to do telemarketing back in the day is that it did I ever call you and uh, you I, you know, I was like, oh man Should... you're on Dudley's podcast and they saw the <laughs> knock on stickers that were all over my bouquets and everything so dang it um, you should have broke into an oxyclean yeah. commercial <laughs> i was like dude you do you know me from oxyclean but yeah those dudes are they're cool and it's just it just goes to show you that that's the type touch points in the community that that need to be following your program or some program because that i mean they're the hubs for you know archery country is the hub in austin if you want to buy a bow learn about archery shoot your bow i mean there's some clubs around but um you know for the regular guy who wants to go and be a part of the archery community that's the that's the tipping point in this town so um i was excited that the new owners were were knock on fans and they had tweeted at you when they bought the or facebooked you uh when they bought the store and you know had followed rogan and they knew you know you guys were on that deer hunt at the time and yeah they're your place in iowa so they were following along so it was cool to see that that those guys who had just purchased that archery shop were that into it um that's i know that's happening all over the country guaranteed you know it's funny because when when joe and i were here we kind of said oh we need to do like we, you know you have when you go do something with your friends you have all these plans on what you're what you want to do and i know like especially the listeners they would love to be outside when me and joe are just shooting or you know they'd love if we were filming when we're you know if i'm working with joe but so much of that stuff is like you know there are people that do it f- for commercial reasons but the reality is, for me and you, and I know Joe, and especially Aubrey's probably even more, there's like a deeper meaning to it, and you're almost just, you're in such a different spirit of mind with a close friend when you're in those situations where you're, you know, I've had that, I've, I've had a lot of good friends that I've shot competitive archery with, and that I've trained with, like for months and that I've traveled with for a whole year and that I've roomed with for seasons upon seasons, it's never the same type of like camaraderie as when you're in a hunting camp with someone 
it is oh, yeah. it is totally different. I mean, it's it's much much different. Yeah, man, I'm glad you said that. I always tell people that when they when I'm getting to know somebody or you know at work with them, like if you really want to, you know, you really want to know me and like have a relationship, the best place is in hunting camp. No matter where it is, it doesn't matter. I don't know what it is. You're right. I don't know what it is about that place or. It's a make or break deal. You're 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 rolling some dice. It's like I'm either gonna hate your yep. ass forever, <laughs> or yep. there's a chance that I'm gonna hate your ass forever. But there's also a chance we're gonna be friends till the end. I mean that's yeah. that's what hunting camp does. It's like it freaking just, it's a seesaw, and it like everything tips one way or everything tips the other. I've never really came out of a out of a decent hunt with someone and been like, you know, I don't really know if I, where we stand with him. I need to do that one more time. Like I've never said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the blind date, especially if you're going in and you never met the person. I, you know, in the industry we get, we do that a lot. You know, we, we go on hunts. If you're just doing it for yourself, you would pick your, your favorite people to go with, you know, in the industry, you always end up in camps with folks you maybe not know. And, you know, I've definitely, I don't know, I can't think of a whole lot of bad experiences. There's been a few out there. Always yeah. going to be. But um, I just I just know when I show up at a hunting trade show or at Art ATA or at SHOT Show, there's a lot of freaking inside jokes, <laughs> a lot of hugs, <laughs> a lot of, like, just <laughs> just uh, bullshittery, for lack of a term, if that isn't one. You know, there's just a lot of stuff that you go back, you see that person, you remember that awesome time and that awesome hunt. And you're never going to get that by sitting down to dinner or, you know, anything like that. So I totally get you, man. I think it's hard to uh, turn on the content stream and also just be able to enjoy hanging out, shooting, hunting, enjoy that stuff. It's hard to turn it on um, and do both at the same time. And I like being in the – I actually like being back in that same company as what I was on that hunt with just because, you know, there's certain things that happen in – hunting camp where you can't like you can't explain it to someone and someone understand why that's funny to you but the but if there's someone there in camp that was there with you and you're you know bent over in a ball pissing your pants laughing i mean that you like want to gravitate back to that person just so that you can have someone relate to how funny that was too yeah i mean there's people that you know, there's people that I know and that I really enjoy, and then you hit it off right away. Like, you both quote the same movies, you both listen to the same music, you like the same stuff. You know, there's plenty of people in your life that you meet that are like that, you know, that, that click with you, and there's just no problems um, getting together and making it work and having a good time. But you still don't get the element you get if you, you know, you're in the back country with somebody for five days or you're you know, sitting in a stand and coming back to the lodge with them and going through what deer you saw and strategizing like that. There's nothing like that. And and there's, you know, Michael Poland, this guy that wrote this book, Omnivore's Dilemma. He was a liberal and he was writing about his first experience hunting. He said um, that hunting was so much different from the inside than it is from the outside. Like there's so much more to it that you don't realize having never done it or never tried to, to go do it. And I always thought, you know, his perspective was pretty clear. Like the, the, There just is no way to understand it unless you've done it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of things in life that are like that. You know, there's 
there's times where people try to relate to a veteran. There's no way you can relate. Unless you're a veteran, you're not relating to it. Just because you watch yeah. Platoon doesn't mean you know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, you know, there's a big difference between watching, you know, watching a guy go crazy in Full Metal Jacket or watching Lone Survivor or having someone that's actually been in that experience. There's a lot of things in life, especially, you know, near-death experiences where, you know, someone's like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and hunting, yeah, hunting's one you. of them. If people come up to me and they start telling me what it's like to be a hunter, and then I'm like, "Oh, do, do you do you hunt?" And they're like, "No, but my brother did." Uh, okay, but you're out. <laughs> you're out of the club. Yeah, that was I felt like the first yeah. time me and um, Joe ever went out. We went for did a hunt in British Columbia, and we just, I mean, that was to this day the most fun I've ever had in a camp and I didn't know Joe at all going into it I you know I knew who he was obviously and I knew what he had done for his career but I didn't know what he would be like or whether he'd think I was a idiot or what he would think just kind of going in there blind and hoping things would work out and you'd have a good time and we got into camp and I don't think we quit laughing we there's times you just forget your hunting you're laughing so much and joking and it becomes this like, yeah. If only that, you know. There's t- times you want the recorder to be on because you're saying something really funny or really insightful, and there's a lot of times you don't want it to be on. <laughs> um, but that's a, that is the beauty of it, man. It's just the beauty of of those experiences because you know we've probably talked about this before. It's just the stuff that happens when you're hunting and the the results of it are so much more exciting and so much more you know full of life than you know, anything you could do outside of it, any concert you could go to, any amusement park, I mean, just isn't, there isn't that. I mean, I just got back from Kodiak Island where we dropped stuff out of planes and floated on icy rivers and got stuck and, you know, ran around in a blizzard trying to catch a float plane. And uh, the folks that went with me on that trip, we'll, we'll never lose that. Every time we see each other from now till we're 75 years old, we'll have that yeah. connection. Yeah. Nope. You can't make that connection at a bar town. You can't do it. No, not unless it's a bar in Kodiak. (laughs) Yeah, the bar we were in afterwards, there was a lot of connections being made in there. (laughs) Yeah, that's where all the... Not necessarily connection I was (laughs) There's a lot of bush pilots that are dangling around in there where you're wondering how they're even flying people around. Well... Oh, we had... Our bush pilots were taking selfies and talking about the girl with the tramp stamp that they had met the night before while they were flying us back to camp dude it was unreal yep that sounds like a camp hey what um are there is there anything from yeti that you can disclose to anybody listening is there anything new coming that you're allowed to talk about any top secret stuff oh yeah yeah, I mean, we're in a weird time now like, where we're just leading up to um, SHOT Show and ATA trade launch, so we're kind of in a little quiet period before we get to the new, new stuff. Um, but that's coming to, you know, you'll be getting some secret New Yeti products here in the next two or three weeks to let uh, the Knock Nation know about here in in the new year. So we'll, we've got a couple things, good things coming. But I'll tell you that um, as a company, um, we're 
the innovation that's going on here and some of the things that are coming down the pike, not even this year, but the year after and the year after that, some of the things we're working on and testing um, have shocked even me, the level that Yeti's gone to to really innovate and push forward. So there, I'm, I promise, this is a non-answer, I know, but there is um, there is some stuff that's going to that's gonna change the way people do things, I think, outside of even uh, how people think of Yeti right now. Jesus, I'm jacked. I'm jacked. I there's, know. There's See, one, that's there's, marketing, bro. That's marketing. <laughs> there's one thing you freaking have to make. And if you want to make it a knock-on version, you can. But if you drop a Yeti, <laughs> a Yeti cup or a Yeti thermos off a whitetail stand... It's it's like I, f- I felt like the hunchback in Notre Dame, dude. <laughs> I was so quiet, and I dropped that thirty six ounce sucker like right after I'd finished like a pot of coffee out of it, and oh my god, <laughs> I felt like I couldn't hunt my place for the rest of the year. Well, I will say, like at least you were warm. You had that warm coffee, but I've been there, dude. I- I'll tell people truthfully, honestly, all the time, you know, we make our product to be durable and to work and to be simple. Um, those Rambler products are too shiny, probably too heavy, um, and then sometimes uh, too loud for hunting, some hunting purposes. Some, some they're fine. And the pit line for um, waterfowl, they're great. Um, so what I did with my Rambler, my 36 bottle, because I wanted hot coffee all day or hot chocolate all day or whatever it was i just took hockey tape uh and wrapped it all the way around the thing to you know take the shine off take the noise off and that works so but we're working on some stuff here that is going to solve a lot of those problems i promise like a knock-on koozie <laughs> like yep like a knock-on koozie okay take it to the bank <laughs> all right yeah john see people see, may see he's trying to get me on a podcast he talks me into stuff yep People may hold you to that. People may hold you to that. But um, vacuum insulator. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, so you have anything cool coming up other than getting ready for shows? You got the baby first Christmas, dude, for dad. Yeah, Gosh. first it's... Christmas is a dad. Um, yeah, man. He's our son James is uh, he's two months and nine days today. Um, not that I've been counting or anything. Um, he's 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 awesome he's great so yeah we've got him a little reindeer outfit he's gonna stay here in texas for christmas and i'm sure get showered with every gift he could possibly get so um i think his mom his mom got me gifts for christmas to give my gifts are gifts for james oh (laughs) i get to open my gift and it's like a little baby onesie (laughs) that's what i get so well, I'm you, into that. I, I I would do that all day. I sent you the same, so sorry. Yeah, I sent you. Yeah, <laughs> I sent <laughs> I sent you a onesie. Knock on onesie. Yep. Yeah, he's worn that thing. I gotta get you a picture to that. He he. Uh, all he needs is a little bow. I, he's pretty strong. I mean, he can hold a rattle at this point at, at two months. So I think maybe he can pull a bow back. Give him like, you know, <laughs> six months and like, he'll be able to do it. Well, I think pulling a bow is natural because if you've ever tried to take in, take a set of car keys away from a baby, I mean they got that pull motion down like they'll, yeah. they'll freaking yeah. rip some car keys out of your arms. 
Let me just say, he's got strong scapulas. Like he, oh, he's yeah. working out. You know, yeah, that the delta, all his back muscles are well defined. Yeah, he's badass. Well, he's an open. No, but we're he's we're an planning. This is this is planning, dude. I'm jumping off uh, uh, this podcast, and I've got about I've got about two and a half more hours left for Alaska tags. So I'm putting in for for goat, and I'm putting in for bear in Alaska. Uh, <clears throat> planning some hunts. We were talking about a cool hunt we might do with Mr. Rogan down in uh, possibly in Hawaii. And I'm looking forward to trying to get over to Australia this year and New Zealand. Um, and just, you know, taking the next couple months to plan next year and be with the family and slow it down <laughs> for a little bit. And, the, the, uh, those, are, out. <laughs> those are two very contradicting um, paragraphs, dude. You went on a rant <laughs> about, like, four different countries you're going to be in, and then you throw in there, just spend that time with the family. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my life it's all a contradiction like i love my family but i'm going to be gone for three months <laughs> like that that's uh somebody way smarter than me explained it well i don't know who it was like i remember yeah i guess it was steve ranella he told me like if he's like if if i did if i didn't do what i did for a living my family would hate me i would be home and i would be miserable this way when i am home i'm the best i can possibly be because i'm happy they're happy. Life goes on. I was like, dude, I, I'm going to use that. I'm going to need to use that. Shane, I'm going to need to tell my wife. Shane Dorian uses that. He said, yeah, he said, if, yeah, he said if he's not home, eventually his wife's like, are you going to go hunting or something? Because you're being a dick right now. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> yeah, I got the same thing happening, dude. I, it's, it's amazing. You get, I got back from Kodiak and about, I don't know, eight days ago, nine days ago, and um, took me about four days to recover, and then two days to get mentally right to like excited about life again. That didn't include blizzards and blacktails and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I'm just now kind of getting back in the swing. You know, it, it is a, it's just a different thing. But I always say like I've got two things I love. You know, with all my heart, and that's my family and and hunting and the things that that gives me. So. I'm pretty lucky to have two and have to juggle both those and do it right. Some people don't have two. Some people have one or none or whatever. So um, I'm lucky to have what I got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. Well, you've got to get back to your um, your mariachi band there at Yeti. And <laughs> Yeah, hey, I'm hey, just, uh, just ben, finishing up my Christmas cocktail. So. Yeah. Hey, Ben, just so everyone knows, too, because um, – Obviously, there's a few brands that I started using this year that I'm like geeked out about, and I'm not. I don't want to be a sales. I don't want to be like a sales recording talking about it. But I'm. I'm really. I'm like having a ton of fun with on it, and dude, the Yetis. Like you and I never really talked about Yetis sponsored a ton of TV shows. That was never even on my map. You and I never even talked about that. But when I got into cooking on my grill, and then I started using, um, well, my buddy Chad from Whiskey Bent Barbecue. I think you guys know Chad. He's got something. He works. He works with Traeger. He actually, you know, was using the Yeti coolers for all of his cooking, and then that was really the first time where I used one. And then 
while we were doing that, you know, we had some, we were in Florida, had some drinks in there, and all of a sudden I'm just like, Jesus, this thing's been cold. I had an iced tea that was cold for the whole day in a cup, and I, I've never had that before. So then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm like way behind the time on this Yeti deal. So, I mean, you can vouch for me. I wasn't, um, I wasn't just looking for the handout. I mean, I'm kind of stubborn, kind of stubborn that way. Yeah, we try to be stubborn too at times, but I mean, it's. I don't know. I, you know, I told my story a little bit already. You know, I was never a marketer. I didn't come up in college or high school thinking, man, I really want to be in marketing. That's awesome. It's great. I can't wait. I was, <laughs> you know, a journalism major. Like, marketing was the devil when I, you know, I was a the enemy for marketing, the person telling the truth or trying to. So, um, being a marketer is still weird for me. But the only reason I I came down here to Yeti is because the there's so much truth to it. The stuff works, so I don't have to market the product. I didn't. Did I call you up and say, "Hey, man, here, here's all the the stats on the thickness of the walls and the insulation and the technology." No, you just send it out there. People find, you know, they find a way to make it work for them. And I mean, we've got a barbecue and beer marketing division, um, uh, and that's probably the coolest thing that ever was. Yep. Uh, so. Yep. So, and the coolest job, barbecue and beer marketing manager is about the coolest job title in the world. So, um, we've got that, and we're not just hunting and fishing. I mean, I'm, you know, working the hunting world here for Yeti, but we've got surfing and skiing and um, ranch and rodeo and barbecue and beer and music. So, it's, it's man, it's cool to see, a, you know, unlike, you know, products that are just tailored to hunting, we've got a product that works in so many different ways, so... It's cool, man. It's a good company, a good feel, and um, hopefully people can pick it up and and realize what it is. So that's kind of what we well, they will, they will. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, legitimately, I'm I gotta I gotta get I gotta get two things ordered from you. I'm because I gave Joe I gave Joe my flip, and I gave to take his. Because he took his back straps and his inside loins home on a plane, on my in my little flip, and um, and then I gave him my my fifty, you know my little fifty cooler to take the rest of his. Um, yeah. Or actually, I had to send it to him because he got uh, he got hooked on these sticks that I have here. My I don't know if you met my buddy Waylon when you came, but Waylon started a business here. It's called Smokehouse Meats. Or Hunter Smokehouse. God, I'm terrible with names. Hunter Smokehouse. It's right here in um, Indianola, Iowa. I think his address is Indianola. He might be Milo, his address. But anyway, these these freaking deer sticks and stuff are off the charts good. I can't even believe how good they are. So Joe wanted some because we were eating them in camp. And I sent, his, uh, I sent everything back in that cooler. And I'm like missing it. I'm genuinely missing that cooler. It's like the perfect size. If you're going to buy one, I would say buy the 50. You agree? Yeah. If someone's out there going to buy one. I would agree. I mean, that's right in that mid-range for people who usually like to land. A lot of people like the 65, 165, 135, 45. But, you know, that 50 is the one with a little bit bit deeper. I mean, it's, you know, 
if it's a little bit easier, uh, it's right at the you know it's right at a price point that's not too crazy, and it's it's a good one to have and and start to use and see what else you need. That's for sure. I mean, there's guys that there's guys in barbecue that do competitions that absolutely have to have a Tundra 210 or a Tundra 350 to do what they do. So they're cooking whole hogs or or Damn. whatever, a bunch of brisket. And I want to I want to gotta get, have it. I want to get in on one of those hog feasts. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, well, we all, we yeah, we we had a little Traeger Christmas here. I think everybody in the office was gifted um, by the, the fine folks at Traeger. Um, we all got Traegers, and it was a good holiday around here and uh, oh my gosh. for our, our department. So we um, that's going to be hopefully coming to my place soon, and it's going to crank up. We're we're gonna we're gonna get it working. Well, you saw what I whipped up. We. We feasted heavily on it. And no, I, I think that's. I mean, and I'm you're not really a, a well-rounded. I mean, you're not only are you um, good at archery, but you cook. You can. You're a cook. I mean, you'd be. You. Uh, you're essentially a stay-at-home dad, aren't you? I mean, you just kind of cook in well, and clean in and shoot. I can't. Stuff. I can't take credit for being a stay-at-home dad because Sharon's like the mom of the decade. I mean, she's. I'm kind of going to be that guy where everyone's like, whatever, dude, my wife's freaking good too. Uh, well, maybe. I just know that my wife, my wife like gives Harry a lesson and I'm sitting there like, huh? I never knew that. I mean, <laughs> she, she, she's awesome at it. Yeah. But um, we know you're out in the hot tub drinking rye brain while she's in there <laughs> giving lessons. <laughs> Amen to that. I will do that. Yeah. Someone made a comment the other day. They're like, yeah, real nice, Dudley. A bunch of kids are looking up to you, and you're drinking while you're shooting. It's like, well, sorry. I mean, I am shooting in my own garage, and it's, you know, kind of just posting pictures of myself practicing a little bit. It's not like I'm in a public arena where I'm having to. Yeah, I guess there's. That's the good and the bad of social media, but where does you Yeti weren't? Where does Yeti stand on that? I mean, are you guys been shooting archery? Yeah, like I mean, or, or obviously drink, we don't or, condone or we drink. don't condone anything like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. No, as long as you look, look, man. As long as you have pants on, which I know that you did, that's fine. We feel like that's probably the threshold. That's probably the threshold for for us. Well, I'm going to make Yeti the new sponsor to knock on podcasts then because, well, the, at least the live stream, because people thought the live stream was cool if I had a few little beverages. Now, Sharon <laughs> says I'm limited on that. Joe said, hell no, you better keep doing it. So I'm pretty no. sure if Yeti's all, in, uh, Sharon's not going to have a choice on this. I mean... This is. We do. I mean, we are a company that promotes beverage consumption. Uh, So (laughs) yes, all all I can say, dude. I'm not. I can't. As an official Yeti uh, spokesperson, I can't say many more than that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I'm gonna let you get back to your party, man. I appreciate you giving some time, and I just like catching up. I like catching up with you too, because once these shows start, we're just not gonna have time to talk. That's the bummer yeah. part about yeah, it. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's January and February are, are it's great because you get to see everybody and go through the trade shows and 
set up a lot of the rest of the year like we were talking about, but it, it gets hectic. So this is just about the start of that time and, um, you know, try to take a little bit of time to calm it down and catch up. But, yeah, man, it's good to, good to chat. I'm glad I'm glad we got to get on here, and, and hopefully uh, I do hope the folks at Archery Country listen and check this out. Um, that's a good, a good shop. Yeah, very good shop. I was actually, um, when that shop started, now we're really testing my memory, I'm pretty sure the original owners of Archery Com- Country was Susan and Bill, um, I believe. And, um, gosh, I think Bill passed, and then Susan ran it for a while, and then it sold, and then I think these guys bought it from the old owner. But, yeah, I was actually their their rep at the original owners of Archery Country, Susan and Bill. If I'm if if I remember that, that's literally from making sales calls when I was 18 years old to those guys because Texas that's was one of my accounts. That's awesome, man. Alpha, it's alpha brain. Alpha. It came back. Alpha brain. Alpha <laughs> kicking in, man. <laughs> kicking in. Uh, that's a cool thing. I, I'm glad. I always say around here, I'm like, I'm just glad I can. I've been in the industry, the hunting industry, for going on nine years, and I'm glad that they've let me, you know, be a part of it because it's certainly the best thing that's ever happened to me, other than my wife and and son. So I'm happy to be in it, stay in it, in your silverback. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, buddy. Get back to your party, and um, telling you guys, Yeti's a sweet company. It's it's better that Ben's there, though, for sure. I mean, if Ben wasn't there, I don't know if I'd support it. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. It's a hell of an endorsement. Yeah, no Thanks, kidding. man. Thanks, dude. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.